Welcome to Prime Cohesion. Please join us as we move forward in this endeavor. We hope you join us for some banter and laughs as we touch on the real live topics that united us. All right, Nick. You're, uh, if uh, I'm not mistaken, you're with the fire department in Savannah. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Awesome. When, at, at what point did you decide you wanted to be a firefighter slash, are you, do they require you guys to be EMTs down there too? So just recently, uh, within the last couple of years, actually, cause we were actually up until about two years ago, Savannah was one of the only departments in the country amongst a handful of other ones that actually didn't require people to be EMTs with like, we strictly ran uh, just like fire calls and things like that. Uh, but of course, going with the momentum, um, we started picking up more first responder calls, uh, basic life support calls, things like that. So it definitely has transitioned. I mean, yeah, it's definitely been a change, but I mean, I'm open for all changes and, you know, going forward. Well, let me ask you this. When you went through your initial training, did you do any kind of EMT training initially or just strictly firefighter training? So when I went through, it was strictly firefighter training, just, uh, you know, just everything fire related. And of course, you know, they trained us for basic life support in those situations. Um, but it was mainly uh, firefighter focused. And like I said, up until the last few years, we've really transitioned into more EMS related roles um, as far as like uh, responses to unresponsive people and uh, just basically anything we can do to get there before the ambulance to help out, you know, until they're able to be transferred to a higher level of service. As a follow-up to that, do you think that has anything to do with maybe, is there like a, a shortage of EMT techs or paramedics, or is it, they just feel like you guys should be uh, do it all or what do you think? I think there definitely is a, you know, it could be biased. It could be region based. Um, I think there may be a shortage of, you know, EMS related jobs in certain areas. But, uh, but I mean, I'm not opposed to the, you know, whichever government entity is offering training, you know, to, for us to provide a higher level of service to people. You know, I think that's what, the, what we're, we're there for. So um, if they're offering that training and we're able to provide that level of service, then, I mean, I'm open to it. But I do think there is a shortage per se. And that, I mean, that goes, that's far beyond me and my pay grade, you know, whether, whether it's politics or, you know, uh, agencies that those people work for as far as, you know, EMS and things like that. Right. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent well-versed in a lot of that stuff. So, you know. Oh. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know up here, I got a couple buddies who are EMTs and I know the pay isn't great. I also have a couple of buddies who are firefighters and it's kind of the same thing. And I have some friends who were firefighters that when they transitioned to having to go to EMT school, a lot of them had to back out of it because they couldn't, they couldn't handle that side of it for whatever right. reason. So uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of different things that probably go into it that we don't know about. 
so did you always want to be a firefighter? Uh, like when you were a kid, I know when I was a kid, I probably told my mom that I wanted to be a firefighter, but that obviously didn't happen. So was that something that you wanted to do from a young age? You know, I think growing up, um, you know, you see the fire trucks and things like that, and it's always something you're you're wild about. Initially, I mean, I, it, it never was really something that I was like, oh, man, that's what I want to do. But I did grow up in a household. Uh, my father's been a police officer for my entire life, so I grew up around, you know, you know that type of work my entire life. And I have a lot of members of my family that are military members as well. So I think it was just a, like, general sense of service, I think, that was that was instilled in me and wanting to help others. So that's what kind of led me. I mean, initially I was looking at being a police officer, but just talking with my dad and, you know, talking with uh, some friends of his and things like that. It was just a series of events that led me to actually join the fire department. And, you know, I think it was one of the best decisions I ever made. I was just going to ask real quick, did any of your friends, do you have friends that joined up with you? Do you have friends in the fire department or was it solely just you and now the friends that you have in the community and the family, is that all new with the, uh, when you joined the fire department? So I've made, I've, I've made a lot of friends within the fire department that I have now become, you know, I, in a sense, you know, I call them family, but I do have, uh, my cousin is on the department as well. He's actually one of the guys that I went through and doing the application process together. Um, he was in the military at the time. So of course our timelines didn't line up. So I actually got the job just, uh, about a year and a half before him and then he ended up getting the job and then uh about a year and a half after roughly my brother got out of the marine corps and he actually got the job at the same department that we're at now so it's uh it's me my cousin and my brother we're all in the same department now and i mean if anything it's, it's just made us closer you know that's awesome uh, that, my follow-up question was going to be was this something that runs in the family but you answered that with uh with that response and about your dad. Um, real quick, I know a lot of departments do community outreach type stuff. Does the Savannah department do any community outreach? So we do a range of like community events uh, as far as like community meetings we attend. So we have different areas that all of our stations are in. So like there's different, uh, I'm sure in your communities that have like town hall meetings and things like that. So, you know, depending on when they're scheduled, uh, we attend those events. We'll go to schools and things like that and do apparatus displays for the kids, uh, job fairs, things like that. And, of course, we we schedule, like, station tours. You know, people can come check out the station and the trucks. Another cool thing we do is um, anytime there's a fire in the area, like, say, we have a structure fire or something like that. So the next shift or the shift following, we'll do what we call as a fire blitz. What we do is we go out and we basically, wherever the house was, We'll start in each direction and we'll go up and down the street and we'll, you know, knock on people's doors and just make sure that they have working smoke detectors, things like that. Fire extinguishers, if they have gas, you know, make sure they have CO alarms, things like that. So we do a lot of good community outreach. Um, and of course, there's plenty of programs, you know, that people can get online and services to the city if they need them. That's awesome. Do you feel like the community that you're in specifically, do you feel like you have a lot of support there? I do. I feel the community supports what we do. Uh, and there's, you know, just a general understanding of what we do and what we're there for. And, you know, there's a lot of people that will say that, you know, we just hang out and do nothing. But I feel like overall, most people understand what we're there for. Um, and, you know, when we're called to duty, you know, like what 
the services we offer and things like that. And there's always room to improve. You know, we can always do better and things like that. So whether or not it's reciprocated or not, you know, I feel like the people understand and they, you know, they appreciate what we do, uh, but we're always trying to do better. You know, anything that we can do to make, you know, their life easier and in a time of need, if we can help more, you know, we'll always, we'll always go above and beyond. Awesome. All right. I got a kind of a, a serious question. You can, you can deflect if you want, or you can just pass it either way. Um, so I know in a lot of that, that type of work, whether it's, uh, policing, military, firefighting, EMT, anything that is, has to do with, um, first responding or defending people, things of that nature. There's a, there's a moment where it's like, this is real. This is a real thing. This is really happening. Was there, was there like a moment for that with you? Like maybe your first year on the job or, or anything like that? And like, how did that affect you? Tough question because you know we run such a, a such a range of calls whether it's uh you know EMS calls or fire calls you know we all kinds of accidents you know I've seen all kinds of things it's hard to pinpoint but if there was one that stuck out I think it would be you know if anyone else is listening to this and getting into this job I think it was my first fire that I had just because I was new to the job and it was a it was a fully involved structure fire that we had and it was in the rear of the structure. So being the rookie, I was the first one on the hose line and I was the first one in the door, you know, just trying to get the experience. But like, you know, when you, when you first make entry and then everything is just, you know, you see all the stuff in training and in rookie school and in the books and the, you know, the videos that you watch, but nothing really amounts to like the actual feeling or sight that, you, you know, when you first get there. Yeah. I mean, you can't see anything and it's, you know, it's pitch dark and all you hear is, you know, you and the guy behind you. And, uh, I mean, at that moment when I first went in and you couldn't see anything and all you felt was heat. And then when you finally make it to what we call the seat of the fire where it's, you know, where it's actually burning and stuff like that. That's when I kind of realized that it was like, like, this is real. And it wasn't so much of a sense of like fear. It was more a sense of like adrenaline. I have to adrenaline and then like it was more of like it was a it was a humbling moment because it made me realize like i have to maintain my training i have to you know always be educating myself because as they say complacency in this job is what gets you hurt mm-hmm. you know because every every scene is different so but that was just one of the things that made me realize that like like this is real you know like and anything could happen and i've, I've read plenty of stories you know the charleston nine things like that so that just, it really made me realize that I needed to train and always stay on top of, you know, my game. But I mean, our crews did a great job as far as, you know, our, our entry and our attack method. And thankfully no one was inside the house. So no one was, you know, hurt or anything like that. But we did, we did a great job as far as making sure we could save as much property as possible. And our crews made sure that no one was in the house and, and things like that. But it definitely was a humbling moment, just making you realize people lose everything in that moment. And, you know, they're looking at you to to try to, you know, save anything, you know, if anything is possible. So, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. for me, that was, that was a big moment. Yeah. I, I could imagine, uh, I don't see myself running into a burning building. So it's a, it's a special thing that you guys do. I mean, not just running into burning buildings, but you know, car wrecks, you know, all that stuff, you know, just 
trying to help out in the community and, and save people. Okay, let's hypothetical. You're going to a fire call. What is your protocol? If I mean, if you tell me what you can, obviously, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. So, like, what what are your priorities when you get there? So, on our standard fire call, you know, whether it's an alarm or an actual fire that's confirmed, fully dressed out, ready to go. So that way we can provide you know the service when we get there. Um, but the number one priority is uh, life safety. We've had reports of them saying that there's no one in the structure or things like that. But even though people are telling us that, we still have to go in for ourselves. Life safety is the number one number one thing, no matter what. And of course, you know, it's to make sure our crew is good. And then after that, once we determine that there's no threat to life, uh, I mean, property conservation, we just want to make sure we can conserve as much property as we can. So that way, you know, people's belongings aren't destroyed, you know, in the event. And then, you know, we just do as much as we can to do that. Because even if you make it out, you know, the last thing you want is for everything you have to be lost. So we try to do as much as we can to conserve. Yeah, I've heard from some in the field that there may be a point where, for lack of a better statement, you just let it burn kind of thing. Right. Is, that, is that true? There are there are, uh, there are scenarios, um, unfortunately, where it just turns into what we call a defensive scenario. Uh, where it's just deemed not safe for us to go inside. And at that point, they turn it over to a defensive fire. So I, we just, we do what we call is a surrounded drown. We just get hose lines all around the house and just try to, you know, or you know, whatever the structure is and just contain the fire and make sure it's not spreading to other buildings. And and once it's, you know, deemed safer to go in, then we'll, then we'll go in and, you know, conserve as much as we can. I don't know any of the positions or anything like that. I know you guys have like ranks and stuff like that, but what, um, like what's your responsibility on a day-to-day basis when, when you're at work? So I actually have a pretty high responsibility, even though I'm just a firefighter. I'm actually the main chef. Did you say chef? Oh yeah. Chef. Oh, you're feeding everybody. <laughs> you're the cook. <laughs> Gotta make sure everyone's fed, you know, that, you know, you can't perform unless you're fed, right? I know you have caught some shit. <laughs> Man, there's uh, there's definitely been, you know, I like to pride myself on being a, a good cook, but there's definitely been some times where you make some meals, and even if it's good, people would just like to harp you for it, and that's just part of the job, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. That, like, hey, give look, time. that comes with the territory, man. I mean, even Absolutely. even just cooking for my family, half the time they don't eat it, even though I love it. See, that's the thing. is, yeah, Even if everyone else doesn't like it, you just got to act like you love it, and at the end of the day, Hey, they could have made their own food. That's what I say. It's <laughs> awesome. I know you guys go through a lot of stuff uh, on a daily basis. And we talked, I don't know if you've listened to the podcast at all, but one of our first ones was about the Guardians group that we have for first responders and veterans. And it's mainly like an outreach, basically, to help uh, firefighters and veterans and first responders if they have to talk to anybody about anything. It's mainly about trying to prevent uh unfortunate suicides and the like uh with the mental health issues and stuff because you guys go through a lot you guys see a lot and it's a lot to hold on to and not speak to anybody about um do you guys have any local support groups in your area that you guys actually reach out to like if guys have issues like they saw something that they just really can't deal with or don't want to deal with do you guys have some groups in the area that you know of that 
can help you out? So besides internally, you know, uh, like with our, even though we're a right to work state, we still have a union and we have a lot of members that uh, consult them and, you know, they do a good job with that. Um, but our city offers, actually offers a great uh, EAP program, uh, employee assistance program, right. with, you know, if something like that happens. And they've done a great job as far as, you know, like we've had a few people that have had stuff happen. And, um, I mean, they've definitely turned it around and things like that. So, I mean, other than our, our union and our, uh, you know, our city EAP, uh, I mean, they've done great jobs as far as things like that when we're in need. Um, I'm sure there's more. That's Well, that's still, that's at least that's something that's great. Um, I'm happy to hear that because... I know you guys go through a lot, and if you guys need to talk to somebody, it's good to know that you're you're aware of where to go in case you have to. I know right. here we have a, a actually a lady that my wife works with. Her husband's a firefighter, and I think it's probably the same with y'all. I think they work what twenty four on, forty eight off. Is that how you guys work? Yes, sir. So, I guess in uh, her area. The wives actually have a group as well that is a support group basically for the wives um, in that department. Do you guys have something similar that you know of? So we actually had a – it's funny. There was a rookie of ours. He came on after me, but he was, uh, we call him a rookie. Um, he's been on a few years now, but he's actually part of our union, and he's doing a lot when it comes to – uh, setting up programs like that, like whether or not it's the, you know, the wives or the firefighters and setting up, uh, they've been doing a lot of work with like community events, like events in the park and stuff like that, where all the firefighters and the families can go and hang out. That's definitely something newer in the making, um, which is surprising to me just because it's new. Cause you know, growing up with my dad being a cop and stuff like that, I remember going to events like that all the time when I was younger. But I think that's just uh, it may be a southern thing. I'm not sure, just because we're, you know, again, like I say, a right to work state, and we're not unionized. Uh, that it's just slower adapting to that. But uh, they're they're doing they're doing a lot of work towards that, which is good uh, as far as you know, getting everyone connected and things like that. So, no, oh, that's outstanding because it also gives you much more of a sense of community and family, and everybody's it makes you feel like everybody's in it together a little bit more of a family feeling i think that's that's great absolutely you like savannah you've been down there for a while you guys like it down there i love it um it's one of those areas that if you talk to some people that have lived here their whole lives they say they dislike it because of it being a small town and uh it kind of is a small town as big as it is but i mean i've only been down here nine years maybe but I think it's, I mean, it's beautiful because you have Savannah and there's so much that the city has to offer. But then, I mean, on, on top of that, you have all the other surrounding areas. You know, if you want Jacksonville, South Carolina, anything like that, it's just, it's, it's a great hub. Uh, and I think it's, I mean, I think it's beautiful. Um, and I encourage anyone that's never been here to definitely visit. Yeah, I was going to say, you're a stone's throw from Hilton Head and Charleston. Oh, yeah. And you got Tybee Island. You got a bunch of islands, actually. Yeah. The, the wife and I are actually, we plan on taking a, it's funny because it's only 45 minutes away, but we plan on taking a vacation to Hilton Head, which sounds weird when you live here because it's only 45 minutes away. But, you know, when you talk to other people, that's, you know, that's a lot of people's main vacation destination. So it's easy too because it's only 45 minutes away and we just go hang out, you know. 
quick, how many fire departments are in the Savannah area? How many of you guys, how many departments actually cover, like, are you strictly over, like, downtown, like, the historic part of Savannah? I, I'm not real sure how big Savannah is. I, I've been to the historic part, but how many departments cover the Savannah area? So, the Savannah Fire Department, we're, uh, we're at 15 stations right now, and we're working on a 16th. Um, but we range all the way from, you know, downtown historic Savannah to Pooler, essentially. But it's definitely divided up. I mean, you have, you know, the city of Pooler, which has their own fire department. And then you have Chatham County, which has Chatham Fire and Emergency Services. Yeah, when, can you, when you say 15 can you, stations, you have engine and a ladder and some others have hazmat plus an engine, stuff like that. Right. So I'm in a, I'm in a two-company station, which is an engine and a ladder. But most stations are just single single companies. But just depending on the area you're in, there will be a two-station company just to cover whatever you, area they're in. Can you explain the difference to, for people listening? Uh, engine, ladder. So the engine and ladder, as far as the difference there, the, so like our station, I'm on the engine, which is a pumper is what we call it, and we carry we carry the water essentially so we'll do the internal you know fire attack things like that with the hose lines and then you got your ladder company which has your we have a hundred foot aerial ladder so they'll be able to do any roof operations whether it comes to uh venting the roof or you know securing a the egress for firefighters or you know victims that are trapped and that's pretty much you know the, the gist of the aerial and the pumper um as far as our operations go we have our rescue companies, which handle all of our, whether it's a, and they're all specially trained in water, uh, hazmat, things like that, technical rescue. So if there's like a, a high level rescue, then those are the ones that are going to go in and, you know, do those specialized tasks. That's pretty much just of, as far as like, you know, companies that we have. Really appreciate you coming on, Nick. That was outstanding information. Yeah. Super informative. Super informative, man. We really appreciate it. We hope to get you back on sometime, maybe just to shoot the shit or whatever. And again, we appreciate everything that you guys do, all firefighters, EMTs, first responders everywhere. And if there's anything that like we could partner up on, maybe do an event down there with your department or something like that, I'm sure Jason could work it out. That would be uh, that would be really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, be safe, man. Be safe out there. Absolutely. Take care. All right, Nick. Thanks, man. Thank you for your patronage. Please share the podcast or tell a friend about it. You're listening to the program to help us support first responders and veterans alike. Stop by and check us out on Facebook. For those who would like to donate or subscribe to the program, you can do so at redcircle.com prime cohesion. 